Welcome to the Morning Huddle, where business, healthcare, and lifestyle meet. This platform is designed to educate and equip business-minded training healthcare professionals to become the leaders in an evolving healthcare landscape. We are your hosts, Dr. Jermaine Fetty and student Dr. Kamal Smith. Today, we will continue our conversation with Dr. Shana Holman. We'll dive deeper into the business end of what it means to start up a practice from scratch and discuss the system she's created to manage her life, both professionally and personally. Enjoy today's episode. It seems like you have systems in each phase of your life and those systems after you kind of start those systems and start to fine tune them and automate them, you're able to manage a lot of responsibilities because you have a, a team of people supporting you and you also just, right yeah you're very know about it yeah now i've talked to other practice owners they're like oh, but i want to go home at the end of the day well you can't you have to crunch your numbers you, you have to do some amount of managing at the end of your day I mean, you can't just literally do nothing like that's an unrealistic expectation as an associate you walk right out the door right yeah. Not as an owner, and especially like in a phase I'm right now of growth where I'm onboarding a lot of people, I'm not walking around the door. But I have an office manager, I have a clinical manager, I have lead assistants, I have a lead hygienist, I have a finance person, I have a leadership team, and they take care of a lot of stuff. So the stuff I do at the end of the day is more uh, on the level of auditing a few different things, but it has to be done. I mean, you can't not do anything. <laughs> But no, I don't pay my own bills or anything, but I audit my bank account every day and cross-check every expense and I manage my budget. I do certain onboarding tasks for every new employee. I put in my own payroll, but it's all direct deposited. So it doesn't take a lot of time, but that's my cross-check of everybody's hours and stuff and allows me to have a pulse on it. So I do put in my own payroll hours. I cross-check deposits that were made from my bank account to what was came out of my end-of-day report for that day. So there's just a little bit of admin work just that lets me kind of be like, okay, things are running the way I need it to run, you know? And then I leave. But yeah, whether it's in your household or your business, you cannot try to wear all the hats. That just makes no sense. You can't do things efficiently. And that definitely keeps everybody honest too. <laughs> and that's it does. A hundred percent. I hired this great company called Prosperident, um, who the, the owner of it is a lawyer that uh, deals with embezzlement cases. And he has a kind of a program or training for offices to try to avoid embezzlement or as he would put it, like try to catch it early because that's more realistic. Um, but they helped me with just trying to come up with some of the system. So a lot of those kind of things I do are the cross checking of the things to catch embezzlement early. Um, or hopefully avoid it and at least have a really good pulse on the money part. I use Dental Intel, which is a great app. It gives you all the data of your office and everything. So I always am checking my Dental Intel and checking my bank account. I'm doing some of my cross-checking at the end of the day, and then I leave. What practice management system do you use? EagleSoft. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And Dental Intel picks up the data from EagleSoft makes it a lot easier to view and crunch. It has an app, you know, but I can have a pulse. I know what my hourly production is. I know all of my team members' hourly productions. You know, I, I know all these things that help me be able to make good decisions. You know, my AR starts to go up or I have some claims that are starting to pile up. I catch that real quick and go, what's going on with these claims? Like, you know, 
or what's going on with our AR? Why is that going up? And try to figure that out. And, you know, often I'm met with, oh, shoot, well, so-and-so was out. And, okay, well, then who's who's processing claims? Like, we can't, can't have not have claims, guys, you know, process. So, you know, it allows me to just have that pulse on things without being overly involved, without micromanaging, letting my team be great, let them do their thing. But, like, I know my numbers. I know what we're doing. I know when they, when they say we're a bit crunch, we need to hire someone else. I know whether we can afford it or not. Cause I know my numbers, you know? That's good. So to say that you, that your startup was a success would be an understatement. Uh, <laughs> I've listened to all the podcasts, I've been to conferences and no one has had the kind of success that you've had. So we want to get into like some of the details of it. Yeah. People are like, how is this even humanly possible to do what she has done? Um, if you got to take an aerial view and go back to when you were temping to day of first opening. Because a lot of people hear, oh yeah, you just found a building and you start up. What are like the details? Like, did you have to go to zoning? Did you have to go to the city? Like if you you could go from like associate to opening day. Yeah, that's a good question. So I, you know, there's a lot of this you have to build a whole team. And again, I feel like a lot of my leadership roles I held in undergrad and dental school really prepared me to, manage a team I didn't hire any kind of consultant or anyone to walk me through it and like I said I didn't really know a lot of it as a dental practice how to actually run it I just knew how to be a dentist so again this is knowing your strengths and weaknesses and where you need help right so I knew where I wanted to open because I'm familiar with my area so that was a little bit easier but still I had a commercial real estate agent I hired a lawyer to negotiate my lease of the landlord to make sure I wasn't being you know taken advantage of I uh found a uh I got a few names of contractors that work with a lot of dentists I had meetings with all of them and they gave me budgets and layouts I met with Henry Shine I met with Patterson saw what their layouts are budgets about what I would need and how I would work with them and a lot of this I just had to choose someone right I like both reps (laughs) one said one thing I liked a little more than the other I chose Patterson I they're both great you know and uh same with the contractor. There's one guy, they all were great, all really nice guys. But one of them was like, look, we're known for being on time. My, my timeline is a week is a week or two early. If we go over a day, they're working Saturday catching up. And I was like, you know, I'm a startup. I can't play around with my opening date. Like I called some of their references. They all checked out. They all said, yep, we, we were finished ahead of schedule. That's what I wanted, right? So I picked a contractor. The contractor said, look, do you want to pick your own architect? Or I have a few I work with. And I said, look, I don't even want anything fancy. He said, I know a guy. He works out of his home. He does great work. See what his pricing's like. You know, so each person kind of led me to other referrals. I need to choose an architect, right? And then once I hired that, once again, he said, do you have an IT person? Where are you thinking for IT? I was like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing, right? Hmm. So here's a couple of names for people we work with with IT. You know, again, I met with them. Sometimes I met with a few people. Sometimes I just didn't have the time for that because I was working six days a week, had two kids. So sometimes I was just like, look, who does good? Who, who's good? Like, what? It, it's IT. I don't know. Like, I trust you. Um, so I got, but then I, again, you're managing a team. I didn't feel the need to hire a consultant to do all that part for me. Like, okay, I had to pick all these people and they all work together. They're all used to working together. So they're able to do that pretty well. Um, especially like your contractor, your equipment representative, your IT person, your phone person, these people are used to like, they have to coordinate schedules, work, you know, work together, get it right. They'd ask me questions, I'd fill it in. I hired an interior designer. It happened to be a friend of mine because 
not to do furniture, but all the finishes, like color, you know, they're like, what kind of wall, you know, what color wall do you want? What rubber base? Do you want a wood base or rubber base here? I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, I need to hire someone. Again, I'm all about hiring people that know what their craft is and can do it. And she came up with a design and color scheme and talked their language about all the stuff that was needed. So did that. Um, yeah, I didn't obsess about a lot of details, to be honest. I just wanted like chairs that worked. I think seams in chairs are kind of gross. So I just, my only request was no seams um, and a chair that works. I, I, it doesn't need to heat up and vibrate. That's a little awkward. <laughs> um, so, you know, we can have some fuzzy blankets. They'll be fine, you know. So I don't, I, I don't get lost in a lot of details. I tend to say, you know, your craft what do I need? I didn't spend a lot of time obsessing about lowest cost point. I was just like, you know, I need good work, people that people trust. Um, but I, again, you kind of slowly start to look back and you've assembled a team, right? Like I hired an HR company to not, I shouldn't say I hired an HR company, but I did a contract with one where you pay a monthly fee and you get access to HR lawyers. If you have HR questions, that sounded helpful to me. I made an employee handbook. I hired a lawyer to do like a handbook and contracts for employees that I could use. Um, but yeah, you start just to kind of create this team and get all this paperwork together and get all your ducks in a row. Yes, I will. <laughs> My son's requir- requesting fish food ice cream. It is amazing. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, a lot of so there's a lot of pieces to coordinate, but it's not too overwhelming. You know, I actually wrote a little ebook. It's, you know, no big thing, but a lot of people ask me questions like this. So I just kind of wrote out like all these people you kind of need on your team, but it's, it's really not too much to figure out. And once you start finding certain people like a contractor, again, they're going to say, okay, we need all these things in place. You know, when you think about running your business, you have to have your HR systems, your front desk systems. You, you start to write out a list of, okay, I need systems for all these things. And when you can link up with someone that knows what they're doing, that's helpful. Or again, get a company that the company that's what they do, you know, is make sure your HR is good. But from being at other offices, again, I saw, I saw these situations where people being paid in cash or someone does something, they're like, well, I had no job contract. So I just did this, this, this. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Like, <laughs> We need actual contracts. There needs to be an actual employee handbook. Like there's a lot of things I'm, you know, I could get in a row. So some of this I've learned from other places, but um, yeah, that, that e- I can give um, Kamal the link for that. But I mean, the, the, that little ebook download is really inexpensive. It's just like something that just easier to answer people's questions about this kind of thing, but kind of gives you a list of these people that you need on your team and to organize. Um, but then, yeah, and I went to, you know, some leadership CE and stuff and you hear about from a lot of these different companies. Now there's a lot of new companies that are helping dentists manage things. So there's a lot of cool companies you can link up with, but that's why I looked at things like dental Intel. I was like, I see the value in that. It's expensive that you need to know your numbers to make any business decision. And quickly, I can't run a million reports every day and plug them into spreadsheets. Like I need easy to view data. No, I can pull easily, you know, again, in the HR company, I mentioned a good payroll company that automates a lot of your, like some of these payroll companies now, they can do your HR handbook uh, or, you know, your employee handbook. They can do your contracts all within one platform, which is great, you know? So sometimes those companies are good to help with. Online scheduling is huge. You know, I signed up with LocalMed from the beginning. 
Um, having online scheduling as a startup is fantastic. That's why I could have 53 appointments before I even opened up, you know, because they, they were already scheduling online. I actually set up my server in my living room because it wasn't ready to install in my office yet, yeah. just so people could start online scheduling. And then we moved the whole thing into the office when it was ready. It's just kind of funny. Um, but yeah, you know, you start to just form this team around you and, and it's crazy that you step back and you're like, it's all happening, you know? But it's definitely doable. Like if the idea of organizing all these people together is too daunting and you think that, oh, you know, you would need a consultant to do all that for you, that, that's where you really might want to reconsider if this is even a, a good path to start up because it does take some coordinating and leadership effort, but so does being an entrepreneur. Like how are you going to manage employees? How are you going to manage any, you know, you have to be able to sit down and, and manage these people and, and this team and not be too intimidated by that. You know, having a consultant to help you with something specific, you know, like, again, how do you catch and prevent embezzlement or help you with a marketing plan or help you with something specific is one thing, but the notion that you're just going to pay someone an obscene amount of money and they're just going to like do it all for you is, I don't know, it should make you kind of question if that's, yeah. if this is even like what you should be doing. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was also going to say like even insurance credentialing and negotiating contracts with insurance, none of this is that hard. I mean, just fill out a big packet of questions, but it's not horrible. Like to me, it wasn't worth spending several thousand dollars for someone to fill out forms for me. Like fill out a form to credential yourself and apply. It's not, it's not hard. I mean, and even negotiating is not that hard. You just they give you a fee schedule and then you say, I want to negotiate. They'll say what 20 codes do you want to hire price on and fix them and give them a number and it, you accept the number you don't, but like, that's all they're doing. You know, it's not, I don't know. It, it, you can't be so scared of the process that you're just willing to throw away tons of money at it. Like you have to do some of these things. But for people to charge you that, that high amount, they have to create that kind of fear. Like you need me yeah. particular services, you know, or they're not valuable to you. Right. So that feeds right into my next question about, you know, I'm sure you had a lot of fears when you were starting up. So it's really two part. What fears were actually warranted? It was like, yeah, it was actually scary. And what parts were you like, <laughs> it's just, it wasn't nearly as scary as I thought it would be. I was scared about just being profitable. You know, I was thinking, okay, I need to keep my expenses really lean. And, you know, it's going to be hard to like make a profit because that's what people would tell me. It's going to take a couple of years. Like my office manager, I told her, you know, my accountant, I think, I think my accountant said we'd do something like 275 is like a good ambitious goal for the first year or something funny. And my office manager was like, that is a joke. And it's like, but we don't have any patients, you don't know, right? I just thought it was going to be so hard. And then when I saw that just by seeing a couple patients, new patients a day, doing a little same day treatment here or there for an emergency, the numbers coming in from that, as I really took a big sigh of relief. Like it's, it is possible to break even and, and do that stuff. You do need to be mindful about your numbers and everything, but dentistry is a good profession for this stuff. And if you have people come in the door, which again, I wasn't so worried about getting the people in the door, but I didn't really understand how that was, how that translated into making money, I guess. But I shouldn't have been so worried about that part. I could have definitely had higher goals from the beginning, knowing that I could at least bring people in. Um, 
Was anything warranted? Let's see. I think he's bringing in the right people for the team, and that's pretty warranted. I mean, that's pretty scary. I mean, I knew my office manager, and I found an assistant, which is good, but I made a lot of hiring mistakes that first year. Um, I, I was just nervous about that, too. You know, you, you, it's such a vulnerable thing. Like, for me to step back from cleaning everyone's teeth and hire my first hygienist, and it's a big deal. I was scared, and my first hire choice was not good, <laughs> you know. Um, and that really stunk, but, you know, I guess you just kind of learn from those mistakes and you kind of learn what you're looking for and what you, what you do and don't want. And it gets easier with time. Like now I'm much more confident about my hiring decisions and I have a much higher rate of success with hiring. But that first year, I, I've been definitely, I was worried about it and definitely still made mistakes. There's one person I hired and then heard from another dentist who contacted me that she, they were uh, investigating a bunch of embezzlement charges against her. It's like, wow. good Lord. Thankfully, yeah. I have really good systems. And again, she didn't do anything with me. But yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, like, hmm. that's scary. I, I didn't want to be that office that had a bunch of security cameras. I didn't want my people to feel like I didn't trust them. But after I met with them, anti-embezzlement company, I was really like, no, we need security cameras. And you know what? My, some of my employees are like, oh, we shouldn't have that. You know what? what? If someone threatens you at the front desk, you, you can just point to that camera. You know, if something on your desk goes missing, let me know. We'll pull it up. Like it's for everybody. Um, so I really should have done that from the beginning. But uh, anyways, yeah, definitely a few things to learn. A lot more so, I guess, in the first year of ownership than mm -hmm. the rest of it. So you're from Chapel Hill and you said you had a pretty good idea about the area did, and you worked with a broker as well. Did the broker change uh -huh. the location or did you already have the location? Yeah, I did already. I was getting my eye exam done and I told the guys thinking about doing a startup. He's like, oh, you should look in the shopping center. There's a space for rent. I said, well, how much square footage, you know, square footage is it? It was like 1800. I was like, actually, that's a pretty decent <laughs> size for a dental office. Yeah. And that shopping center is a gas station. It's right next to the highway. So it's just a high traffic area in town. And it's not one you would think of as being high traffic unless you knew the area and like you were actually from the area, you know, because uh, it's kind of behind trees. You don't see it from the street so much. But again, it's like the best grocery store in the area is there. The gas station's there on that end of town. Like people are going in and out of there like crazy. So I kind of knew enough to know that. So I... I met with a real estate agent and I said, I'm interested in this unit. And we went and saw it. And then they lined up for me to see one other space. And I said, no, I want that unit. <laughs> so it was very quick, quick process. What was the initial specification? So you started with 1800 square feet. Like, uh -huh. four we, I had five, five rooms plumbed. I built out two. Okay. I had one assistant and that one office manager I hired. That's pretty much it. Okay. Now, since then, I've done two expansions into the two office spaces next to me. So we did one expansion after like a year and a half. And the other one I just opened like a few weeks ago. Brag on yourself a little bit. What does it look like? <laughs> it's <laughs> awesome. The, the first expansion we did, I added three more rooms. Mm. So that was eight. That made our reception area extremely tiny relative to the amount of chairs. Mm -hmm. And I was a little nervous about that. But then a couple months later, COVID hit and it became a non-issue because then people were just waiting in their cars. 
I was a little nervous about like when they're no longer waiting in their cars, how is this going to work? And then the office space next to that one became available. So I took a sigh of relief and realized we could create a larger reception area in the new space, create more. Again, I'd also started squeezing computers between computers at the front desk and it was starting to look a little silly. Yeah. And there's like no privacy when you're talking to the person next to the other one. <laughs> so I decided also we really needed a bigger front desk. My team was on top of themselves in the break room, which again, luckily seven to threes, I didn't have a lot of people to end COVID. We weren't really using the break room in a traditional way anymore. So I had that in my favor, but it was also like, well, once COVID's over, how in the world, <laughs> this, reception, this break room's a joke. So in the new, new expansion, I added four more rooms, a big break room, big reception area, expanded the front desk. It is awesome. So now it's 12 ops. And I have four hygienists trying to hire a fifth one at the moment. And we have the four docs and we have a lot of assistants and front desk people. I'm not sure exactly how many at the moment, but it's a lot of people. Um, Cause again, I had to have leaders in place as well, especially in the clinical team. You know, I have a clinical manager and supervisors that don't have a chair, but they can easily jump in if someone's out. You know, I wanted an extra degree of flexibility. Um, with my assistants and have some leaders to help train some of the younger assistants. Is everybody um, pretty cross-trained or not really? I like don't, I don't like cross-train from front to back. That to me makes no sense because that's two totally different personality types. Like my friend is people are really, really nice and have great customer service experience, but don't try to pull one over on them. Like they're they going to very quickly tell you about yourself and make sure you pay your money and like, they're not that kind of person, but a dental assistant is more of a people pleaser in a good way. Like they really want to do a job. They really want to hear from you that they've done a good job. They really want to make their patients comfortable and nice. But because of that, they're not the kind of personality you would want to be talking about money to be handling conflict. Cause they're just going to say like, take it for free. Like don't worry about anything. They're, they're going to avoid conflict. So it's, it's not the right personality type. And you want an assistant that really cares about being a good assistant and really wants to make things easier on you and wants to, you know, help you with things. So it just, I don't cross train like that, but among my front desk team, there's a lot of cross training. Like there's pretty much everyone knows how to verify insurance benefits Everyone has to know terminology and how to schedule. But then I have some people that just present treatment and some people that do more of the check-in position and some people that focus just really on their insurance verifications and uh, claims and AR. But there's a lot, the, the basic roles of everything at the front desk are cross-trained. And my assistants, I really try to get all my assistants trained to do everything. I, I tell them all the time, I was like, I'd love to pay you at the top of your pay rate. Like, it's just a matter of mastering all the skills required to get that but like my goal is to get you there because it makes my life a lot easier to have really great well-trained assistants so they're always in a state of training and learning new things and being able to do a lot of things again I don't want like just one assistant to do one thing I mean I, the goal is to get them all to do I've everything. seen a lot of offices like that like if we need something done oh you need to go call her because she only yeah. do it in the office it's just not it's not very and I have a manual you know much you know again I told you I like that e-myth book I have a clinical operations manual. It's a bajillion pages, but it goes through how to use and calibrate every piece of equipment, who to call if you have a problem, how to set up for different things. It's literally the how-to guide 
for a clinical position. You know, there's a whole hygienist section. There's more of an assistant section. There's a lot of things that are the same, um, you know, and same for front office. I have a manual. I have an associate's manual. So my associates can read on all the things I want them to know. Again, some of it's technical stuff, like how to use equipment. Some of it's the softer things. Like every time when you do a filling, take a picture before you touch the tooth. Take a picture when you expose the cavity. Take a picture when you clean that cavity out. Take a picture when you fill it up. After the appointment, you sit somebody up, you ask them if they want to see what you've done today and you walk through what they've done before you leave that room. If they have outstanding treatment, you remind them of that. You talk to them, you answer questions about that. You tell the assistant what, how much time you would need for the outstanding treatment, anything about scheduling. You know, you walk or you present a treatment plan and then I need you to walk to the front desk and talk to the treatment coordinator about your treatment plan. Anything they need to know about that before they schedule it. Is there an order it needs to be done? Is there a time difference between different things? Is there anything that can be done today? Like, you, you know, but all those types of things. There's a system for all of it in office. Mm-hmm. So what, um, I'm sorry, in that, I love it. You're very, you're very structured. Yeah. But I try to be like crazy. Like I've also worked in offices that are so overly programmed that you can barely function. But there's also just has to be certain systems to certain things. And people need to have clear expectations and know how to do things. So you said in, in your process, you hired a lawyer to help with negotiations. So yeah. as far as tenant allowances and those kind of things and free build out time, and how did that part work? Is that something yeah. that your landlord was pretty generous with? My landlord is pretty generous. I think for my first um, construction project, I got like a hundred thousand tenant improvement uh, improvement allowance, which is huge. As and I talked to my CPA about it and explained like I could get more money, but then my rent's going to be higher. Like, how do we make that decision? And the CPA's advice was take the money. Like right now, that money is going to make you money <laughs> more yeah. so than it would be to save it. And I thought that was really good advice. Like with that extra hundred thousand, I was able to buy equipment that helped make me money mm. in a way that I wouldn't have had the ability to do without it. So that was great. Um, so, you know, kind of weighing that with the CPA is huge and understanding like a lot of these costs are going to be write-offs anyway. So if you get that money and you buy something with it, we just write it off. Like it's, you know, makes more sense to take the money. So some of that's a conversation with the CPA. But you can hire a lawyer to review the lease, uh, you know, commercial lease. And my lawyer actually did all the negotiations for my shopping center's lawyer. Because <laughs> it wasn't, I wasn't dealing with an individual. I was dealing with a whole company that manages a lot of shopping centers in the U.S. So they have a team of lawyers. They have property managers, all these people. And they've been great. They're very responsive to concerns. And I mean, they've really, I have no complaints about them. But yeah, I mean, they had to go through that thing with a fine tooth comb. Sorry, let me. But yeah, they had to they had to really go through my lease very carefully to make sure there's nothing funny about it. But there's even like my my uh, lawyer suggested that we add a part that says that they can't rent any other space in the comer- in the shopping center to any other dentists. And the, the lawyer said, do you want to say any specialty or just general? And I said, no, I think we should say any specialty because I do a lot of specialty procedures. Like, I think that's an important thing that I need to have in my lease. That so they can't just rent the space next door to some massive, you know, dental group practice or something because that yeah. happens. Um, you know, I, I reserve the right to demo my space if I leave. 
because um, I don't want what what if I left and like I have this beautiful dental office that <laughs> someone else could just walk right into like that doesn't make any sense mm. so I was like I probably as silly as it sounds I probably demo it just to not you know cost me nothing to demo it and then someone else has to like actually rebuild it out you know um they're not just going to make money off of my construction expense yeah did, did you write, um, first write a refusal I'm guessing that's how you're expanding into these other spaces yeah. okay uh-huh so yeah, but they know all this stuff and they know it's standard and not in a way that I don't, I don't know how to negotiate with another lawyer. I mean, that was, <laughs> I was like gladly threw money at that. Like that's, I'm not doing that. That's money worth spending. Mm -hmm. I, now I say, I talk, I feel like I've talked a lot about throwing money at this and that and this and that. Also, I joke with people that I'm half Jewish and half Indian. I'm not about just like wasting money on things that <laughs> I don't need to waste money on. Um, so I did save money in a lot of different ways too. Um, and we could talk about that if, if you want to, but I didn't, you know, there's certain things like that that you don't want to save money on. Like yeah. hire a lawyer for your stuff. Don't just use someone else's employee handbook, like hire a lawyer and know your employment laws for your state and make sure you're very clear on that and all that stuff in your handbook. Um, but yeah, the legal stuff, I feel like I'm really strict on i mean i i want every i dotted and t crossed so as you're in the process of them building it out i'm sure now you're, you're working with insurance is trying to figure out who you're going to be in network with who you're not going to be in network with how was that process for you how did you decide who you wanted to work with and what insurance companies you wanted to work and with? i probably didn't give a ton of thought to this to be honest so again as a new dentist but i thought i want to accept medicaid because again that's my you know patient population i'm trying to help and my giving back and that's my special needs patients. And I wanted to be mostly out of network because I knew that was going to be how that would work. Mm -hmm. And I knew if I was bringing people in based on wanting to see me, that that means I don't need to be insurance dependent. And I was confident about that part. At the same time, Delta and Blue Cross Blue Shield are really difficult to be out of network with. Are you guys already familiar with this? Just because like they only pay the patient, not the, the dentist. Mm -hmm. So you have to either have people paying full up front um, or you have people put a credit card on file, which I mean, that's hit or miss. Um, it just kind of seemed like it'd be too difficult to deal with. So I decided I'd just be in network with those two. And with Blue Cross Blue Shield, I negotiated and got to their highest pay structure, which is amazing. So I'm probably always in the network with Blue Cross Blue Shield. And Delta is terrible, as we all know. Um, Terrible reimbursement rates, <laughs> increased fees in a long time. I think they just did a small increase, but um, not easy to work with and very low rates. So at some point, I probably will look into dropping Delta Dental. I mean, it's just, I think if I get as booked out as I have been prior to the expansion again, that might probably be my next move. Because um, even if all my Delta Dental patients left, if I'm booked out five months, I'll be fine. Yeah, that's good. So, so, yeah. Wrapping up this entire startup process, what advice would you give someone if they're interested in doing a startup just like you? I think kind of like what Kamal was actually saying at one point, I think the first thing you really need to think about is your strengths and weaknesses. Do you like managing people? Do you like managing a team? Do you like the idea that? Do you have a vision? And like, what are your strengths and weaknesses? Like, is this really something you want to do? Like, what is your motivation to do it? Because if you don't like those kind of things, you don't like leading a team, you don't like managing people, this can be a completely miserable process and very financially dangerous. Um, 
I think it's hard to be a business owner and not like numbers and math and be able to look at your numbers and math and really analyze that. So that's a, again, being a strong leader and numbers that's hard. It's hard to just not be good at those two things and just find the yin yang and figure it all out. That those are two really difficult pieces, but yeah, if you can really look at your strengths and weaknesses and you feel like you can build that team to compensate for those things and you're excited about the process, then this is a good thing to be doing. But yeah, in the, in the wrong situation, it can be very bad. That's good. And then my last question is, what should we expect next from you from a practice standpoint? <laughs> you're a rock star. Well, I appreciate it. I still feel like I'm drinking out of a fire hose at the moment. Um, I'm kind of thinking again, maybe my next move if I get bigger would be dropping an insurance versus their location or something like that. I don't really have the desire to have multiple locations and everything too, but I'm also really big about customer service and being booked out a long time doesn't make any sense from the customer service standpoint. And again, I'm a good business person and not accepting new patients is not a good idea either as a business. You don't want to really ever be doing that. And that also messes up your dynamic as a practice. So I don't know. We'll see. I really, I don't know exactly what's going to come next, but I just want to make it through this last expansion and have a happy team and happy patients and, uh, and make sure I'm keeping things in check myself and, you know, we'll kind of see where it goes from there. I love it. Thank you. I have a couple of final questions to finish up. Um, the first question is after someone has their practice, they have their practice up and rolling, what would be your marketing advice, especially with leveraging social media um, as you have and limiting costs as far as marketing costs while also building very fast and expanding? Yeah, I mean, I have a few suggestions that all kind of play off of each other. I think being an active member of your community goes a long way. When you're out and about, people just know your face, know your name, know what you're about because you're doing things and that those things are genuine. Um, I do do a lot in our community. I'm very active with our local NAACP. My husband's very active in the community. So a lot of people just know me through him. We do a lot of like giveaways of things. I support different nonprofits. I go to different charity events. I'm active with my kids doing sports and activities. I meet people at these social things. I talk, I'm friendly, you know, like I'm known in my community. I think that goes a long way when it comes to marketing because people know me as a genuine person and they know what I'm about. Um, I think having a great website goes a long way. does not need to be expensive. When I started my practice, I just had somebody local do it on a a WordPress. Like it was not fancy at all. But I wanted it to look a certain way and read a little bit more like a blog, be very personable. I knew how I wanted to feel and, and whatnot. And I made do with my budget and then we got it done. But I did spend money for a much nicer website later that I really feel like tells my story, gives these people with a answering the my why question and, and knowing what we're about. And I think that website goes a long way. So I and I was told that a lot by patients is that when I went to they went to my website, it looked so different than other people's. It really stood out. My team looks like they just like each other. They just seem happy, things like that. Um I think that stuff goes a long way. And I think social media is just a huge tool and it's so inexpensive. Um, I would do a lot of Facebook Live because those get a lot of reach. 
can put a little bit of money behind some of these posts. It doesn't need to be a lot, 10 bucks, 50 bucks. It, it goes a long way. Um, you can target a radius of people, a demographic of people. And you want to create pretty engaging content, whether, and it, and it should be authentic, you know, like it, don't do TikToks if like that's not what you're going to be good at. But like you can do a lot. Like I did a dance type of thing to a, a, a song, one of those kind of like viral dances. And it went nuts in the community. People were like pointing me out in the grocery store. Like it can be, can be a good thing, but it can also be not genuine if it's just it's not good. Um, I did a lot of Facebook lives, like I said, because I think they just give the best sense of your personality. You know, they're very genuine. Like I did an office tour one. I did a Facebook live once just about, hey, people ask me all the time why I want to be a dentist. Like, why would I want to hurt people for a living? Like, let me tell you my story about why I became a dentist. And I told a story and it was very engaging. And, um, you know, people were able to connect to me on that level. Um, we talked about like, Hey, if you don't have a dental insurance, let's just do a little Q and a real quick about dental insurance, what you need to know, how do you pick out a good plan? Do you even, should you even get dental insurance? Like, let's just talk about it. Right. Like you do some engaging content like that, um, where people get to know you and what you're about. It really, really just goes a long way, but yeah, you put a little money behind things like that. It's huge, but the reach is ridiculous. Like when I get approached by magazines and all these people to pay tons, several thousand dollars for an ads, and I'm thinking like, with that exact same money, how many people I could reach in a really personal, direct way with just like a Facebook video I post? I mean, it's, it's just not comparable. Um, I even just ran an ad recently with like $50 about, hey, if you have an emergency appointment, schedule online 24-7, use this link. Something very basic. And it's just crazy the numbers and clicks that thing got. And then thousands of people that reached got reached for like $50, you know, over the course of a week. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. And then what that trans that $50 translates into, if you get one emergency patient, then you treat, and it's not one, you know, yeah. but yeah, the social media stuff, I think goes a long way, yeah. but it has to be authentic. If you're a very awkward person, maybe this is not the thing for you, but the first, the first time I did a Facebook live, my hand was shaking. I mean, I was terrified. I I'm, I'm a pretty introverted person, believe it or not. Like that was really a lot for me to put myself out there like that. But you know, I did it. I was just myself. It's not scripted. I didn't rehearse anything. It wouldn't have come off the same if I had a little cheat sheet or notes or anything. I was just myself. I just did it. And it, it, it was good. My first Facebook live video I did, I just said, I just signed my lease. Uh, like follow along. We're just, I'm going to do this. I'm going to build a practice. I'll post updates. I try and make this, I don't even know what I said. I was so nervous. I have something along the lines of that, but yeah, I got like 8,000 views or something crazy. And that's all, that was all organic. I didn't pay any money behind that just because my friends shared it and liked it and were excited about it and stuff. And I was able to just keep people engaged um, during the build out process and stuff. I mean, it just, it just goes a long way. For sure. I think a lot of your reach is just, like you said, built in authenticity. The market yeah. comes in people just seeing a genuine person that they can relate to and then just buying into you know understanding your why and then buying into that why and and a lot of that wasn't as intentional as i'm making it sound but yeah. then when i read the start with why book I was like, mm -hmm. that kind of explains what i did but some of it was intentional some of it was really thought out and i really did think about how to create good content that would get a good reach like that part is intentional i intentionally boosted to my community mm -hmm. but 
I am just an authentically like passionate person. And I think my passion comes off when I talk, mm-hmm. you know, about things. So some of that is just who I am, but I was trying to create engaging content. Mm-hmm. I love that. Just understanding who you are, understanding your audience and reaching them where they're at. That may not be on a magazine. If they're on Facebook, they go on Facebook and meet them where they are. And so that, right. that is great advice. Um, my next question is um, just as a leader, what advice or insight do you have on building team culture of building the culture within your, your office? Yeah. I mean, um, a few things come to mind. Um, I really try to lay out my value system with people when I hire them. And again, done in an intentional way, even when, you know, when it comes to even things like benefits, again, my job as your boss is to take care of you. For me, what that means is you're paid well, you have health insurance, you have a 401k with match, you have short-term disability insurance, holidays are paid. And I'm sh- you'd be shocked how many dental offices do not give MLK and Juneteenth as paid holidays. I just think that that what are you telling your your you know and or even just any holidays like some of them really don't give much. You get Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, New Year's New you know maybe New Year's Day, but like there's just very few holidays. You know, I, I was like, look, I want you to rest. Yeah, PTO, I want you to take time for yourself. I want you to enjoy your life, right? Like, um, again, you're never going to be told to just get off the clock. It's not how things are. If you need a certain number of hours, you tell me. Our work week's built in to get about 36. If you need 40, you let me know. I have things. I can easily find things for people to do. Like, not a problem. You let me know. But I, I lay this out in a way that this is much, very much a, I'm going to take care of you because I know you're going to work very hard and be an asset to my team. And this is how this relationship is set up. My office manager speaks to people in the same way when I'm not in the room. You know, she reinforces to people my value system and what she knows of me. Um, you know, I let them know. Well, we also do things like team building, you know, activities like bowling and axe throwing. We've done a bunch of fun stuff. Um paint nights and you know I tell them like look I want you guys to have fun I want you to let loose I want you to have a drink or two I want you to just like have fun and do you know do things one weekend I rented rented a beach house in Carolina Beach and just said look not required attendance Mm -hmm. come or don't stay overnight or don't there's a house it's gonna have food there's no itinerary Mm -hmm. you know come have fun you know little things like that it's it's fun for people They, they like to let loose and get to know each other better um, you know, again, just not nickel and diming things in general, I think helps people have that ability. I, I want them to laugh and joke. I'm not going to tell them not to laugh and have fun. I, I, I love that. The team loves that. My patients love it. Um, I want them to be happy. I tell them if there is something I can do to make your life easier, let me know. My goal is to make your life easier for you to have a lot of fulfillment from your job. If you're not liking something, you love this, you don't like it, let me know. You know, it, it, we're hiring all the time. Like we can move roles. We can try different things. Like I try to keep that open line of communication. Doing quarterly reviews. A lot of offices don't do reviews. Do reviews. Let hear people. If someone really cares about you and cares about their job, they'll tell you when they're not happy, and they'll tell you exactly what they need from you to turn that around. You know, but it's you have to worry about when people are quiet and they don't even tell you things. That's usually a sign that they don't really value it. But 
your value people will tell you, you know, what you need to do. One of my favorite quotes from you is you don't have a staff. A staff is, yeah. an, <laughs> a staff is an infection. I have yeah. a team. Yeah, yeah. a team. I, I think that speaks volumes. Exactly. And, and my patients see that. And we don't have a waiting room. We have a reception room. You don't wait. So yeah. there's little things in the semantics here that are very intentional. Yeah. Um, you know, when people give us compliments, I say, it's my team. If you read our reviews online, they don't talk about it. I'm a great dentist. They say, oh, the staff at home was so friendly. The mm -hmm. system was so thoughtful and caring. That hygienist has the best cleaning I've ever had. Oh, and the dentist is great too. Like it's, you know, there's a, it's the team. Mm -hmm. you know? yeah. We have a group chat online. I think that's fun for people you know, share things about themselves, a team huddle in the morning, again, let's go on the same page, share funny things, tell some jokes, mm -hmm. you know, let's have a good laugh about something ridiculous that happened the day before, oh, yeah. you know, try to keep that culture, but I'm very aware that I set the pace, mm -hmm. a lot of dentists don't even show up to their own huddles, no, like, you're leading your huddle, this is your team, you know, I, I take that role very seriously, I set the tone, and I know that I do, yeah. I can't come with my head down, I'm not running out the door at the end of the day. Yeah. They know, everyone of my employees knows I'm the hardest one working one in there. Not because I'm there all the time, but yeah. they know that everything I do is intentional. They know I'm taking care of them. They know, you know, there's just a culture there. Yeah, I think set, setting the pace as the leader of your office, um, not having a staff, having a team. Yes. Just lead with authenticity and take care of your people and your, your people will take care of you and your practice. 100%, 100% they know it. Yeah. So Dr. Holman, do you have any final words for dental students and new dentists um, to be as successful as possible in their careers as we close? Um, always keep learning. Always keep challenging yourself. Want to be, you should want to be challenged to be better, whether it's taking a class, getting some hard advice from someone you work with, you know, try to keep pushing yourself to be better and a really good dentist. But also, again, if you're thinking about leadership or owning a practice, you need to push yourself to be a really good leader and taking that really to heart and being very intentional about trying to be a strong leader, reading books, podcasts, CEs. There's people that teach this mm -hmm. as in every industry. Mm -hmm. I mean, you just, you need to learn. That's great advice. That's great advice. I, I want to say thank you for coming on and and keep. I don't know how you maintain such a high level of energy throughout this entire interview. <laughs> After a long day, I hear babies crying. There is the babies. Ability to focus is crazy. <laughs> That's okay. My husband. That's said, I me. If he saw me, I was, he was going to lose it. But yeah, he, he took it to a different room. Wow. I'm, I'm breastfeeding still, so I have to go. <laughs> okay okay with respect your time we will end here but thank you very much dr holman yes you're welcome generous with your knowledge and, and your insight and experience we really appreciate that we know everybody listening to this has really gained a lot uh, from hearing your words and just you taking the time to speak to us so thank you i appreciate it i really do like to share because i learned a lot from listening to other people and i just think it's all what it's all about i would love to see more people do startups and not feel the pressure to join corporate groups or buy established practices necessarily if that's not what you're really being called to do so it's possible it is possible we will end with that thank you everyone for listening to morning huddle and we will see you next time
Thank you for listening to part two of our conversation with Dr. Shana Holman. Stay tuned for our next episode coming soon and let us know what questions you have and you want us to ask in our next episodes. We always want to engage with our listeners and make sure we're giving you the most relevant and helpful content possible. You can send us questions and suggestions at Dr. NBA LLC and at the Visionary Institute on Instagram and social media platforms. Until next time, this is the Morning Huddle.